Section 13 of the Underground Railroad, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 1, by William Still. Section 13. Isaac Foreman, William Davis, and Willis Reddick, Joseph Henry Camp. Isaac Foreman, William Davis, and Willis Reddick, hearts full of joy for freedom, very anxious for wives in slavery. These passengers all arrived together, concealed per steamship City of Richmond, December 1853. Isaac Foreman, the youngest of the party, twenty-three years of age and a dark mulatto, would be considered by a Southerner capable of judging as very likely. He fled from a widow by the name of Mrs. Sanders, who had been in the habit of hiring him out for one hundred and twenty dollars a year. She belonged in Norfolk, Virginia, so did Isaac. For four years Isaac had served in the capacity of steward on the steamship Augusta. He stated that he had a wife living in Richmond, and that she was confined the morning he took the UGRR. Of course he could not see her. The privilege of living in Richmond with his wife had been denied him. Thus, fearing to render her unhappy, he was obliged to conceal from her his intention to escape. Once or twice in the year was all the privilege allowed him to visit her. This only added insult to injury in Isaac's opinion. Wherefore he concluded that he would make one less to have to suffer thus, and common sense said he was wise in the matter. No particular charges are found recorded on the UGRR books against the mistress. He went to Canada. In the subjoined letters about his wife is clearly revealed the sincere gratitude he felt towards those who aided him. At the same time it may be seen how the thought of his wife being in bondage grieved his heart. It would have required men with stone hearts to have turned deaf ears to such appeals. Extract from Letter Soon After Reaching Canada Hopeful and Happy Extract of Letter from Isaac Foreman Toronto, February 20th, 1854 Mr. William Still, Sir, Your kind letter arrived safe at hand on the 18th, and I was very happy to receive it. I now feel that I should return you some thanks for your kindness. Dear Sir, I do pray from the bottom of my heart that the high heavens may bless you for your kindness. Give my love to Mr. Bagnell and Mr. Minkins. Ask them if they have heard anything from my brother. Tell Mr. Bagnell to give my love to my sister-in-law and mother and all the family. I am now living at Russell's Hotel. It is the first situation I have had since I have been here, and I like it very well. Sir, you would oblige me by letting me know if Mr. Minkins has seen my wife. You will please let me know as soon as possible. I wonder if Mr. Minkins has thought of any way that he can get my wife away. I should like to know in a few days. Your well-wisher, Isaac Foreman. Another letter from Isaac. He is very gloomy, and his heart is almost breaking about his wife. Second letter. Toronto, May seventh, 1854. Mr. W. Still, dear sir, I take this opportunity of writing you these few lines, and hope when they reach you they will find you well. I would have written you before, but I was waiting to hear from my friend Mr. Brown. 
I judge his business has been of importance as the occasion why he has not written before. Dear sir, nothing would have prevented me from writing in a case of this kind except death. My soul is vexed, my troubles are inexpressible. I often feel as if I were willing to die. I must see my wife, in short, if not I will die. What would I not give no tongue can utter? Just to gaze on her sweet lips one moment I would be willing to die the next. I am determined to see her some time or other. The thought of being a slave again is miserable. I hope heaven will smile upon me again, before I am one again. I will leave Canada again shortly, but I don't name the place that I go. It may be in the bottom of the ocean. If I had known as much before I left as I do now, I would never have left until I could have found means to have brought her with me. You have never suffered from being absent from a wife as I have. I consider that to be nearly superior to death, and hope you will do all you can for me, and inquire from your friends if nothing can be done for me. Please write to me immediately on receipt of this, and say something that will cheer up my drooping spirits. You will oblige me by seeing Mr. Brown, and ask him if he would oblige me by going to Richmond and see my wife, and see what arrangements he could make with her, and I would be willing to pay all his expenses there and back. Please to see both Mr. Bagnell and Mr. Minkins, and ask them if they have seen my wife. I am determined to see her if I die the next moment. I can say I was once happy, but never will be again until I see her because what is freedom to me when I know that my wife is in slavery? Those persons that you shipped a few weeks ago remained at St. Catherine instead of coming over to Toronto. I sent you two letters last week, and hope you will please attend to them. The post office is shut, so I enclose the money to pay the post, and please write me in haste. I remain evermore your obedient servant, I. Foreman. Willis Reddick he was owned by S. J. Wilson, a merchant, living in Portsmouth, Virginia. Willis was of a very dark hue, thick-set, thirty-two years of age, and possessed of a fair share of mind. The owner had been accustomed to hire Willis out for one hundred dollars a year. Willis thought his lot pretty hard, and his master rather increased this notion by his severity, and especially by threatening to sell him. He had enjoyed, as far as it was expected for a slave to do, five months of married life, but he loved slavery no less on this account. In fact, he had just begun to consider what it was to have a wife and children that he could not own or protect, and who were claimed as another's property. Consequently, he became quite restive under these reflections, and his master's ill-usage, and concluded to look out without consulting either the master or the young wife. This step looked exceedingly hard, but what else could the poor fellow do? Slavery existed expressly for the purpose of crushing souls and breaking tender hearts. William Davis William might be described as a good-looking mulatto, thirty-one years of age, and capable of thinking for himself. He made no grave complaints of ill-usage under his master Joseph Reynolds, who lived at Newton, Portsmouth, Virginia. However, his owner had occasionally threatened to sell him. As this was too much for William's sensitive feelings, he took umbrage at it and made a hasty and hazardous move, which resulted in finding himself on the UGRR. 
the most serious regret william had to report to the committee was that he was compelled to leave his wife catherine and his little daughter louisa two years and one month and an infant son seven months old he evidently loved them very tenderly but saw no way by which he could aid them as long as he was daily liable to be put on the auction block and sold far south this argument was regarded by the committee as logical and unanswerable consequently they readily endorsed his course while they deeply sympathized with his poor wife and little ones before escaping he dared not even apprise his wife and child whom he had to leave behind in the prison house joseph henry camp the auction block is defeated and a slave trader loses fourteen hundred dollars in november eighteen fifty three in the twentieth year of his age camp was held to service or labor in the city of richmond virginia by dr k clark being uncommonly smart and quite good-looking at the same time he was a saleable piece of merchandise without consulting his view of the matter or making the least intimation of any change the master one day struck up a bargain with a trader for joseph and received fourteen hundred dollars cash in consideration thereof mr robert parrott of parson and king's express office happened to have a knowledge of what had transpired and thinking pretty well of joseph confidentially put him in full possession of all the facts in the case for reflection he hardly had five minutes but he at once resolved to strike that day for freedom not to go home that evening to be delivered into the hands of his new master in putting into execution his bold resolve he secreted himself and so remained for three weeks in the meantime his mother who was a slave resolved to escape also but after one week's gloomy foreboding she became faint-hearted and gave the struggle over but joseph did not know what surrender meant his sole thought was to procure a ticket on the ugrr for canada which by persistent effort he succeeded in doing he hid himself in a steamer and by this way reached philadelphia where he received every accommodation at the usual depot was provided with a free ticket and sent off rejoicing for canada the unfortunate mother was detected and sold south end of section 13 recording by maria casper